Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Event Industry News podcast from my new podcast base here uh, atop the piano in my living room, um, newly commissioned. Um, welcome to the show today. A very good morning, good afternoon, or evening to all of our podcast followers whenever you tune into today's podcast from. And I always said that at the beginning of the episodes, and uh, in recent episodes, I'm, I'm going to reference the recording date, um, and all will become clear as we get into the episode. We are recording this today on Thursday the 17th of June, and earlier on this week, on Monday the 14th of June, uh, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced some uh, very important news and very relevant news to the events industry in that the proposed date of the 21st of June, whereby the final social distancing restrictions and lockdown restrictions that we have all lived under in one way, shape or form for the last 12 months would be put back by four weeks to the 19th of July. It's had inevitably a huge impact on the events industry and a lot of people with opinions and views and thoughts relating to that. I'm delighted to say that our guests today are heavily involved in the UK festival industry in their capacities running the Bournemouth Sevens Festival. We welcome to the Event Industry News podcast, Dodge Woodall and Craig Matthew. Gentlemen, good morning and welcome to the podcast. Hello, great to see you. Thanks for having us on. Morning, James. Good morning to you both. Um, yeah, a bit of a longer intro than normal on the podcast there, but important to put into context exactly where we are and what's happening at the moment um, for obvious reasons. Um, for any of our podcast followers who may not have come across Bournemouth Sevens, um, briefly tell us a little bit about the festival and, and what it does and who it serves. I'll go then. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, nice nice to be here. Thanks very much for inviting us on and uh, getting to paint a picture of what the festival industry looks like at the moment. Um, as you said, we're, we're from Bournemouth Sevens Festival. Um, Dodge sat next to me is the, uh, the owner and founder of the uh, organisation. He set it up with his wife back in 2008 um, and I've been on board since 2011 and now look after the kind of day-to-day -day running of, of the business. So um, we're a sport and music festival uh, and a really kind of celebrated award-winning one which as I mentioned started in 2008 has been running uh, for with 12 successful festivals one very challenging year and very hard in planning for Bournemouth 7's 2014 um, over the August bank holiday this year so we welcome uh, 30,000 people over the course of a, a festival weekend including 400 teams playing a host of competitive and social sports so rugby netball dodgeball hockey and volleyball um, and then after that it just kind of blows up into the most amazing festival atmosphere and um, party of, of sports people and festival goers. Um, it's just the most amazing atmosphere. We love doing it. We've been doing it for a long time. Um, and it, it's been an incredibly challenging year, but we're actually sat here as we sit today, still positive and excited about what we'll be able to, to deliver this year. So um, yeah, that, that's Bournemouth Sevens. And yeah, we're very, very excited to be, uh, to be planning again. It's, it's difficult sometimes to know exactly where to start and where the right place to start is with these conversations at the moment because there is so much to talk about. Um, but any you know event organiser, particularly festival organiser, will tell you how challenging every year is because you want to deliver the same level of success as your customers experienced in previous years, but you always want to improve inevitably. You always want to make things better, not necessarily bigger, but, but refined. So every year is challenging, but... I suppose, weirdly, last year would have been your most challenging year, Dodge, yet presumably with no event. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, you know, I've been putting on parties now for 25 years um, and festivals and 1,500 events around the UK. And having that taken away from you two months before you're about to open the doors to your festival is a, you know, it was a proper kick in the plums, I have to say, James. And, uh, 
And then when you when you sold that amount of tickets, you know, 30,000 tickets, everyone waiting to come to your festival, you've then got to postpone. you then got to move the date from the May bank holiday to the August bank holiday with a dangly carrot in, in hope that you can go ahead, in hope um, that your sponsors stay on board, in hope that people stick by you, in hope that the customers and, and your clients are all on board with you, in hope of everything. Um, and we didn't know. No one knew, James. It was a it was a very very odd situation to be in because you know we are problem solvers as offence people. We are positive people, but it gets to a point where you postpone. You know, there's a lot of hoops to jump through when you postpone to then move the date to the August uh, with the police, the licensing, the council, your customers, your sponsors, the bar, the, the, all the suppliers. And everyone stuck with us, and it was it was a breath of fresh air that the events industry over this last year have all come together, and everyone stuck with us for the August date. But actually, to then have to pull the festival uh, two months before the August date that was heartbreaking. It really was, and uh, on a number of on a number of levels, not just financial, but on a number of levels. And um, but we're okay with it, and we've got through to this year. We got through to January, and we're all excited when we got back in January, thinking. May's going to go ahead in 2021. The excitement's there, and obviously then we got slammed with a we're on a, we're on a complete lockdown. So we had to move our date from May 2021 to now move it to August Bank Holiday 2021. So again, we're in the hope that that can take place. And uh, obviously Boris's announcement the other day of when he spoke saying uh, we would be coming back out again on uh, on the June the 21st, and that's not meant to be. That's okay too, James. You know, um, it's a situation that nobody knows. I understand why he's done, made that decision. I understand why he said we're going to July the 19th. Um, I understand that, you know, the average age of festival goes these days, the 18 to 21, none of them have been jabbed. So I understand his decision and we have to, there's nothing we can do to change it. So, you know, there's a lot of knock-on effects and a lot of pressure that's going to come with it, especially with suppliers, mm. with suppliers going out of business with a lot of events industry people having to leave the industry and find another industry to earn a pound note for their family. But what that does, it creates opportunity and it creates opportunities for the next generation coming through. So um, there's lots of positives to take. Um, I do believe on July the 19th is D-Day. I do believe that that date will happen. And I feel sorry for him if he doesn't make it happen <laughs> because it could cause huge problems around the UK. I really do mean that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's I suppose re refreshing in one sense to hear you use the word understanding and that you understand why, and it, it's actually I think if you ask most event people, Craig, you can understand the reasoning behind some of these decisions from a safety point of view. The desire not to have to regress back into a lockdown by allowing more cases to spring up, um, but. There's a difference between understanding why the decision has been made and a frustration that our industry can't open back up, given the practices, the protocols, the procedures that we have in place to deliver events safely. Pre-pandemic, the events industry knew how to deliver events safely. It had great processes and great procedures in place. And is there a frustration, do you feel, Craig, certainly within your own organisation and the wider industry that we've probably got one of the industries most suited to opening back up and yet are one of the last to do so. 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, understanding is really important and it's been really understanding through this whole process. The uh, the UK events industry is an absolute world leader in delivering safe events and we can tell that from the number of events professionals from the UK that go abroad to, de to deliver shows and, and have done for kind of a host of years. So absolutely, we're incredibly well positioned to, um, to deliver shows, to deliver them well and safely. And COVID actually is just being added into our risk matrix. So as we're looking at the risks that are presented to our event, we need to look at that risk we need to manage it we need to mitigate it and then we need to deliver our show with it um, as all of the scientists have been saying over the past the past couple of weeks this isn't going anywhere covid isn't disappearing so we need to be able to live with it in the same way that as a country we live with flu so um so we need to build that into our plans and absolutely we have been um, and I think the events research program which a huge number of events people from across the country have been involved with and engaged with has proven that uh, we can deliver events safely there's low transmission risk and particularly in outdoor events so where we're talking festivals in our world there is really low kind of transmission rates in and around that inherently safe because people are outdoors um, and, and and I see that and understand that we understand the moving kind of picture um, um, and we've had to deal with a moving picture ever since the start. Um, I think probably the thing that is most crippling for the industry as a whole is the uncertainty. Um, and that can be paralyzing at points because you don't know whether you're coming or going. Um, we've been really lucky in our business. Uh, Dodge and his wife, Fleur, have, have kind of kept us all together, kept us going and, and been able to support us through that. But there's plenty of other businesses who maybe haven't had 12 years behind them of success or haven't had that same level of um, ability. So those people have either fallen by the wayside or had to move into other industries and stuff. And that presents some risks to the future of our events industry because, as I said, it's world leading. So we really need those people involved. So get back to, to what we can do um, so I think where we're sat today we're, we're ready we're, we know we can put plans and protocols in place um, every event organizer worth their salt at the moment has a COVID management plan a COVID risk assessment and knows more or less what that's going to look like we need rubber stamping of the findings from the events research program that goes yeah this is exactly what you need to do but that's not going to be a bible that's going to be a guide and ultimately as event organizers the risk of delivering events sits with us so we need to interpret that and make sure we hit those levels um, and I think probably that the last thing to say on it is that if they're going to move the date again, and I, I very much am with Dodge on this, that I don't think they will. The, the biggest issue is the fact that we have had uncertainty on one hand and very limited support on the other. So if you are forced to close or you don't know what the future looks like, there needs, and that is because of a decision made at government level, um, what we really need is support to kind of underpin and look after the industry that can't open. Um, and the government will kind of point you in the direction of the Culture Recovery Fund, but that's been achieved and given to a very small portion of people involved in the events yeah. industry. Yeah. Um, and furlough looks is coming to an end and all these kind of things. So we need specific targeted mechanisms if we can't open, but actually, all we want is the opportunity to be able to do what we do and to do it well. Um, we obviously live in Bournemouth. There are half a million people on Bournemouth Beach last weekend. Um, and, of course, we want them to be there. We want to be having a great time. But that doesn't have any impact on uh, transmission or cases and that kind of thing. We are doing the same thing, not with the same numbers, but we're doing the same thing, bringing people together in controlled environments with testing, um, with um, making sure people are following mitigation measures and stuff when they're on site. That's what a great place to be. Uh, we present controlled environments. It's inherently safer in a controlled environment than an uncontrolled one. So that's that's where we are. We we need we need to be able to push on from where we are today. It's a, it's a great shout, Craig, because you know geographically you've got, in some respects, the perfect way to to signify 
what you know why this is such a frustrating time for the events industry as you said half a million people on bournemouth beach why it's a public beach they can go on there they're allowed to they don't have to sanitize their hands before they step onto the beach they don't have to do a test before they step onto the beach they don't have to register themselves to step onto the beach all of those things would be in place at your festival with significantly fewer numbers than half a million people and yet we are still in this position where there is un uncertainty and support again is is something that you quite rightly flag up you know so many so much of the events industry is built on subcontractors and freelancers. And whilst a lot has been made of the furlough scheme and certain grants that were made to people who are self-employed, the events industry, again, is unique in the way that it's set up and its hierarchy and, and, and the people that work within it, that that support that's been available to other sectors is not necessarily applicable and directly available to a lot of the people that work in our industry. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things in that. One being the furlough scheme is great, but it doesn't... <laughs> Uh, we're in a really uh, challenging situation where the business has received, say, zero income for two years, certainly zero realised income. Um, we have had people on furlough, and of course, that's been a helping hand. But we also need to be at work. We also, in order to look to plan Bournemouth Sevens for this year, we need to be working and, and working hard to, to del deliver that. And you can't do that. Those two are incompatible. You're not allowed to do one when, without the other. So... We need targeted support. We need things which allow us to uh, start planning, to appreciate the six months or nine months that it takes to deliver an event and to get us through that period. Um, whether that's grants, whether that's insurance or whatever that is, um, it needs to be in place. And the just kind of sheer lack of understanding uh, at government level of how an event comes together, despite the fact they use them as their photo opportunities on a constant basis, um, is, is really, really challenging. Um, and I think, yeah, for us as a business, of course, we're, we're resilient, we're dynamic, we're a small team, we've been able to respond. Um, but it's been because of personal sacrifice by the people that own our business. And that's been the case by so many people. Um, and you talk about furlough, you talk about self-employed um, self assistants. There's a whole chunk of people in our sector that are directors who maybe take their, their funds out for businesses through dividends and stuff who have been completely unsupported through this process. And there are big holes in, in what's been available to us. Um, we're still here today, we're still fighting, but I look broader at the industry as a whole and go, you've not really backed us through this. You've, yeah. uh, you've had a lot of uh, superficial conversations. You've looked after maybe your, your friends in theatres and, and stuff in, in some places, but the, mm. the broader part of the events industry, I think, has gone, unfor has gone forgotten a little bit. So. Absolutely. D D Dodge, um, just, just picking up a point there that, that Craig made, is that um, there is, outside of the events industry, I feel quite a lack of understanding as to how it operates on a year-round basis. So people would look at something like Bournemouth Sevens and think, well, it just takes place over one weekend. You know, it's one weekend, it's one weekend a year. You know, surely they must go off to their other jobs for the other yeah. 360, yeah. you know, whatever days of, of yeah. the year. What many people don't realise is that organising an event at that scale is a year-round task. You wrap up, you strike, you de-rig, you get everything out at the end of the festival, and the next day you're doing debriefs and then yeah. you're straight into pre-production for the following year. People don't realize that there is this year round thing. And as Craig points out, when you miss a year and there's no revenue come in, yeah. how do you then plan for the future years? Because your staff need to, they can't just start planning it one week before the festival. Yeah. Agree. Agree. We haven't had a pound note since May, 2019. So just hold that thought. 
most businesses, if you're a restaurant or club or da-da-da, you've had time to go and do it. As a festival, nothing has been earned from May 2019. That was our last festival. So we deal with it. We're coming into August 2021. it would be 27 months until we can earn our money. And listen, there's high risk, high reward with festivals. I get that. And I enjoy that. So, and I'm cool with that. But to give us the heads up 40 days before our festival, it's not the knock-on effect of myself and the directors and our wonderful team here, our tight team, who we've kept together. We've got rid of no one. We've kept everyone together. And I put my myself and my wife put our word to that last year, so we're going to keep everyone together. And that's what we've done. And we believe we're going to reap the rewards from that. But we need to be allowed to put our festival on. Like you said a minute ago, it's a very safe environment. We're outdoors, 30,000 people, 12 festival arenas, 100 bands and DJs, everything that goes with it, the sky cameras and da-da-da-da. But they're going to give us the nod 40 days before our festival. We've got 800 staff every day at our festival that we've got to go and find and tell them with 40 days to go, please come and work. Please come and work the bars. Please come and work the security. You know, you've got to remember at the moment that all our suppliers are wanting deposits right now. We're holding our deposits back because if it doesn't go ahead, we'll then be in communication with the suppliers saying, please, can you move it to next year, which they've already done a year. Or there might be new supplies saying, no, we're keeping your deposit because we need this. Otherwise, we're going to go uh, bankrupt. So everyone's holding on in a very edgy game at the moment. We're extremely lucky that we've built wonderful relationships over the last 14 years. And we're very lucky that we've kept everything as local as possible. We want to keep it in this, keep it in the economy, endorse it as much as we possibly can. I found that's really important from day one. And it's, it's reaping the rewards right now because of our relationships. Um, it is tight. The time, the timelines are very, very tight for July the 19th. But that's okay. We'll deal with it as long as we're allowed to put our festival on. If he then comes in and says, no, we've then got to go another year. Then there's going to be some big decisions that are going to have to be made. It's um, it's a horrible situation. And again, I reference something that is, is said a lot in the events industry. It's an industry built on relationships. As an organiser, you will have no doubt long term loyal relationships with a lot of your suppliers who provide you know, key infrastructure for your event. And at the moment, it strikes me that you're having to play an unnecessary game of poker, essentially, with them, um, which is is putting everybody in a risky position and, and potentially spoiling some of those long-forged relationships. Yeah. Well, you think, you think about it. Most people have moved their events August back holiday or a little bit further. You're in a situation where if you're dealing with a marquee company or a toilet or a shower or fencing or whatever it may be, they're getting inundated with... Guys, we've got a festival here that wants the payers to deposit. We love you, Bournemouth Sevens, but they're about to pay a deposit. Can you pay your deposit to make sure that we've got all of this equipment for you? So it's not really a game of poker. It's a game of honesty. Um, and it's a game of this is where we stand today. And but I understand where you stand today because they want that job. They want the money guaranteed. They want the deposit so then they can protect their business. You know, but it's, um, it's a difficult situation. But you know what? It's um, a situation that, as events people, we're only going to get stronger by this because nothing ever in our lives will ever happen like this again, ever. You know. Yeah. And uh, what I've what I've enjoyed about this past year is being able to reflect. Number one, uh, number two, uh, being able to create an online events course that we're launching in in August September. We've been working on that for a year now. 
um, where we brought 30 of the industry experts in, um, of people who are in the industry today. Um, so it, it's allowed us to create, it's allowed us to create a, a podcast for events people, you know, mm -hmm. the new podcast called the Eventful Entrepreneur Podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's allowed us to bring people in and allow us to chat to people and, and, and not waste time. So there's been a lot of positives from it. There's been a lot of, um, there's a lot of pressure. But I'm okay with pressure. That's what I've been brought up with and I'm fine with it. And uh, I do believe come July the 19th, James, everyone will be back up on their feet. And, and I do believe that this country will be so up for buying more tickets to concerts, to sporting events, to festivals, to theatres. Everyone will really not take it for granted that you can just access a ticket quite easily or not take it for granted that you can book a restaurant for a table of 10 and, and then just pull out last minute because you don't fancy it. You know, I do believe it's going to create huge demand and I'm super excited by the future. I have to say, I do believe the future is bright. Yeah, I just I agree. Um, I agree, yeah. Yeah, go great. I was just going to say on, on top of kind of what Dodge just said there, um, our relationships, we have been so overwhelmed by the positivity um, and the resilience and the collaboration that we've seen in the last year. Um, so be that from our, our team who have put their own issues, their own concerns, their own worries to, to one side to postpone three festivals and now work tirelessly to deliver a fourth. Um, suppliers, contractors, everyone um, and we've, we've talked about relationships from our side, but it's like an almost a public thank you to the sector because everyone gets it. Everyone knows that this is rubbish for everyone. And we've just got to work together and collectively to make this make it happen, to make the festival happen, to make the festival season happen more broadly. Um, and on the other side, we'll be able to sit down and go, cool, that was that was quite a couple of years, wasn't it? Let's push again, because as Dodge said there, I think not just an exciting year. I think we're about to enter a hedonistic decade where people realise how important socialising is. They relearn the value of being together and being with people. Um, and as an events industry, we're incredibly well positioned to deliver that um, because we're, we're great at it and we always have been. Yeah. And, and to quote Big Yellow Taxi, as I've done many times over the last few months, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Um, and, and and none more so than than the last twelve months, and 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 with socialising, with engagement with other people, with you know the the joy that you get of of feeling a live band, not just hearing them, but feeling them, standing in front of a stage, and and feeling that that music and that crowd around you, and and participating in sport, which are, with, you know, are two uh, two things that you you guys encompass with a beer in hand, James. A absolutely right. Our country, yeah. our country has been brought up to socialise. Our country has been brought up to be together as a community and that's been taken away from us. There's only one way it's going to go because everyone's going to get back together. They want to have a dance. They want to have a fancy dress. They want to have a beer. They want to mm -hmm. listen to music they love. They want to be on someone's shoulders. They want to have create memories for life. And that's what we've done in the events industry. We've brought people together for 25, 30 years, 40 years, whatever it may be. Yep. You know, And we are the best in the world at what we do. I, I, I absolutely agreed. T tell me about um, your your own audience. Um, again, I know most event organisers, particularly festival organisers, will extol the virtues of their audience community and the loyalty that they have. But given the 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 the, the joint the, the joint thinking between sport 
and music with your own event and the unique, I suppose, opportunity that that presents to your audience. Um, how loyal have they been? How has your own community been? What were they like last year? You know, did, did people offer to, 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 you know, keep their places for, for, for the future event? You know, were there a lot of refunds that had to be issued? You know, what was your own experience of dealing with your audience in the last year? <laughs> That's a good question. My, I can only go on my experience. It might be a little bit different to Craig's because he had to deal with a lot more um, of the day-to-day. -day. But when we announced we had to cancel the festival and move it to next year, we thought, oh, shit, here we go. <laughs> and then the amount of emails were coming through to info at Bournemouth 7th, which is all on our phones. And that made us realise, going, oh, no, oh, no. And then after 14 days, all the pinging, all the pings stopped on the mobile phones. We're like, oh, my God, add it up. Anyway, 80% of people opted to keep their ticket and move it to 2021. 80%, which just goes to show how loyal our audience is. And we were blown away, literally blown away. And because we've created a unique festival, James, in a sports and music festival, it creates like-minded people traveling from all around the UK and flying in from different countries to come to this festival. And uh, yeah, uh, we were blown away, weren't we, Craig? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there haven't been many wins in the last year. Like, let's no. be honest. Day-to-day, <laughs> um, -day, it's been tough. It's been it's been a real kind of mental health struggle for so many people in the industry of not knowing what the certainty of the future looks like, people worried about their jobs, so all that kind of stuff. Um, so wins when they came along were amazing. Um, and I, as Dodge said, um, we were operating a bit on kind of small team when we went through a cancellation process of the of the August 2020 festival um, and it was uh, relentless it felt relentless like everyone was kind of coming in asking questions posing queries and stuff like that but when we got to the end of that period and we were like wow look at how many people have retained their not just individual tickets but also team tickets and that's like a batch of 10 people so they've tried they have collectively decided that they would rather leave their money with their money with us um and and support us into the next year i mean operationally there's still some challenges associated with that so whilst we retained money um, and turnover from ticket sales and team entry sales and, and that kind of thing. We can't touch any of it. It's all ring fenced in, in case. <laughs> That's painful, James. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you look yeah, at your yeah. bank account. You see the money that you can't touch. Don't touch it. Look, but don't touch. So then you're just working through reserves and, and, and all these kind of mechanisms to survive and to pay staff and all that kind of stuff so that's incredibly difficult and operationally we won't see any of those funds until we get to deliver the festival this year um so i think managing managing all of that has, has been a challenge but yeah the overwhelming support from our audience has been amazing and actually it wasn't even the number of people that had decided to stick with us which was a lovely feeling of course but the actual individual messages from people that yeah. said on instagram yeah. uh we love Bournemouth sevens we can't wait to have it again or we can't wait to be back we'll see you next year keep going guys um and, and stuff like that so and of course from our side there were people who needed their money back so we dealt with them in the same customer service manner that we always do really professional really friendly as good as we could because 
they're customers of the future. So last thing you want to do is be fighting over deposits or money held and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. For us, it's always right, clean, effective approach to dealing with our customers, talking to our audience, being honest and open with them, and always finding a solution. So that's been kind of a real, a real kind of thing. Um, I think the only other thing to mention on this, and I'm sure other organisers out there are feeling the same. Whilst people retaining tickets has been amazing for loyalty and cash flow and stuff like that, um, it has presented a bit of an issue that we've got big chunks of tickets that sold at prices that are two years out of date. Um, yeah. So it's really squeezing margins because suppliers, of course, are, are charging us 2021 prices, but big chunks of our revenue are at, went on sale in 2019. So oh. trying to manage that through, um, and again, these are the sort of issues that event managers and event organizers are built to deal with. We're great at it. We always have been. Um, but for, for other organizations, um, like I'm, I'm sure they kind of share that pain. We need our industry back open. We need the mitigations to be reasonable and sensible and not too cost prohibitive um, because that's another factor that actually is, is chucked into the mix around something. We, we've just been shut for two years. We need... We need commercial viability to continue and to grow, and, and it's so important. Like that, even even with the date of the nineteenth of July on the horizon, that we don't, as an industry, stop shouting. We need people to know that this has been an arduous and terrible time. Um, and whilst we will never probably go through a pandemic of this nature again, it has shown up a woeful misunderstanding of our industry and one that needs to be resolved before anything happens again. So. Um, because we can't go through the same process next time. We can't sit down with government saying, this is how we work, this is this is the importance, these are the things you need to consider, because um, they need to know all that already. And um, there, there's a huge number of people uh, who have given vast amounts of time and energy through trade bodies and trade organisations and just individuals shouting about what we need, um, because... We're, we're all about protecting people, and we always have been. So when any event organiser worth their salt, their number one priority is protecting the people who come through the door. What we need is that a government priority and a country's priority is to protect our industry because we are pivotal to the, the rebirth of, of socialising and enjoyment, which is going to come. Yeah, and of course, if they want people to socialise and they want people to you know, go through that rebirthing process after a year being locked in the houses, what better way to do it than in a controlled, safe environment? And it goes back to this point that you made. Yes, 500,000 people can socialise effectively in a public space on the beach. Um, surely it's better to do that socialising in a controlled environment. Um, and we'll not sort of dwell too much on that because I know we've spoken about it. One thing I did want to um, to sort of touch on briefly before we have to wrap up again is I, 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 whenever I look at the Bournemouth 7's website, whenever I look at the videos that you post on your social media channels, whenever I look at the pictures, the this fantastic link between sport and music and, and a live festival has always struck me as something that was really, really exciting about your own offering. And just going back to this whole discussion that we were having about the audiences and their loyalty and 80% of your customers saying, no, keep the money, we want to come. That, that to me is, is, is potentially, and correct me if I'm wrong here, in part due to their 
link with sport. You know, so much, so much, you know, amateur sport had to go on the back burner. They weren't able to play netball, hockey, rugby, football, tennis, whatever they did as their sort of amateur social sporting activity, cricket, they had to put it on the back burner. So it wasn't just the festival that they were missing, was it? It was mm. their actual sporting interaction that they get with those clubs and with their mates that they go and do those sports things. So it was looking forward to getting back to that. And then subsequently the festival. And I just wonder if that also played a major part in in this huge sort of loyalty that you saw from your own audiences. Well, I think when we when we first started in August in 2008, we, we picked the day of the May Bank holiday weekend, the last May Bank holiday weekend. So we could use that as an end of season tour yeah. for all of the clubs around the UK, UK and Europe and the, and the rugby playing and netball playing countries that fly in, whether it be Australia, New Zealand, your Hong Kongs or Dubai's. So it's always the end of season tour because when you've got an end of season tour, you're going to get a, you're going to get a squad of 20, 30, 40 people all coming on mass, um, and that's been a, a, a wonderful. It's been a it's been a game changer, really. You know, for us to go and create a sport and music festival, we just didn't want to be another music festival. There's thousands out there, but actually, when we launched, there wasn't. There was probably about fifteen or twenty when we launched in two thousand eight, and obviously, we've seen the growth of festivals over the last. 14, 15 years, and um, it's that like-minded person all coming as a squad together, yeah. and it's the like-minded people who may not, you know, may not be playing, but have played sport at some point in their career, and want to be around these type of people, and, and, and that's what's given us the um, the uniqueness, I guess, and, and it's given us the growth over the last 14 years. Yeah, I think uh, just to add to that, sport is in our DNA um, as an organisation. It's um, it, it's who we are. It's what we do. All of our staff, all of our team are, are experienced people um, in terms of having played sport. It, it brings a lovely characteristic to what we do. So communication, leadership, teamwork, all that kind of stuff is ingrained in our organisation. And from there, it is ingrained in our festival. Um like and when you look at our event it's very easy to go see the kind of flashy pictures of the main stage and that kind of thing and not kind of appreciate the level of detail that goes into our sport we have just under 400 teams playing 1600 matches across two days um, a couple of hundred officials just a vast amount of infrastructure that goes into grassroots sport and making sure that uh, the experience uh, and we work with all the national governing bodies we work with um, London Society of Refs we really find the creme de la creme of sports people from up and down the country and they come and get involved and that is our ethos um, and whilst there has been growth outside of that and there are people who come to our event because it's an amazing festival, they act and behave in a way like they're with sports people and around sports people. And um, of course, we're biased, but I've never experienced an event atmosphere at another festival that you get at Bournemouth Sevens because same, same. everyone is properly on the same page. They get it. They understand it. Um, it's fun. It's banterful. It's jokey. Um, it's well behaved. We have so little trouble because of the nature of the people that come to our event. Um, and, and that's amazing for, for us to see. And uh, long may that continue. We don't want to be another one of 1,200 music festivals the music and the entertainment offer is really important for us, but um, we create a unique experience for people. We create a sporting environment that is uh, just a great way to spend your weekend. And there is nothing more reassuring than being stood on the front gate on Monday morning as people like trapes out of the campsite, just being <laughs> like, I've just had the best weekend of my year. And that is what a, what an amazing thing. And that's why we do events. That's why events are so important. And that's why we need 
like permission to reopen. That's why we need to be able to go again. And we need we can't have things moving or uh, unrealistic expectations in the future because we'll keep people safe and we'll create experiences for them. And that and that going on that Craig, that's why we've got so much repeat business. Mm. People leave there saying that was the best weekend of my life. I can't wait till next year. They won't be looking going. Oh, I'm going to try another festival next year, depending on the headline acts. I'm going to try another festival, depending on the headline DJ. No, they're coming to us for the experience. And then once we sell out all our tickets, then we put on the acts. We let, we let them know a month. Once we're sold out, we then let them know who's playing. It's a very different business model, which was very risky to do. But that's what we chose to do, and it's worked for us, because people aren't buying the tickets because of Professor Green or Example or Dizzy Rascal or whoever it may be. We let them know once we sold out. Absolutely. And, and and of course, the, the final thing that, that's just popped into my head, of course, is that, you know, people go to music festivals every year because, yeah, I like the vibe of that festival. I like, the, you know, the type of music that they generally put on there. For you, your teams are coming because it's an international tournament. It's their World Cup or their Euros, which is yeah. very apt at the moment. You know, <laughs> the, the, the primary reason they're there, isn't it? It's because they're part of a sports team. And, yeah. you know, to them, it's not just a festival, but presumably from a sporting perspective, that's now a fixture on their sporting calendar. They want to go in and they want to do well in that tournament, um, which is is the ethos behind playing sport. People want to play sport, yes, to have fun. But ultimately, if you're putting on a tournament, they want to go in there and win that. And um, yeah. that must be presumably a huge draw as well for, for your audience. And um, I love talking about it. As I said, I, I love looking at your socials and, and what you've done over the years. Um, and it, it's been great to talk to you both on, on the podcast today. Um, we've welcomed Dodge Wardle and Craig Mathie from the Bournemouth Sevens festival if you want to find out a bit more and look into what those guys are up to bournemouth7s.com just google it get on socials find out what they're up to i would urge anybody who hasn't looked at this before to go and do it and of course it's not exclusively for people who are involved in a sporting team you know anybody can go along and enjoy this um it's just that uh, that happens to be the unique offer that these guys put together it's been great to have you on the podcast today good luck with everything guys in the next few weeks and the next few months and please do come back on again and let us know how things are going we'd love to speak to you after this year this year's event and find out what that feedback was i want to see videos of it's coming home it's coming Bournemouth, <laughs> Bournemouth's coming home coming um that's what, I want. that's what i want to see um if you are watching today's podcast on eventindustrynews.com don't forget that you can go over to your audio platform on your mobile device and listen to audio versions of all the previous 240 something episodes of the event industry news podcast of course if you're already doing that and you're listening to us today whilst you're out and about you can also head over to eventindustrynews.com and watch video versions of all our podcasts as well as tuning in some of the latest news features and supplements are available on the event industry news website it brings us to the end of today's episode we've run a little bit longer than normal today but uh importantly so we've had a lot to talk about we could have gone on i feel for for quite a lot longer today um and i look forward to picking up the conversations with the guys a little bit later uh, and a little bit further down the line for now we're going to sign off on today's episode thanks again to dodge and Craig from Bournemouth Sevens, and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye. Cheers, James. Thank you.